ShareCare, helping you. Get younger, get guidance, get better care, get smart, get fit. Radio MD presents ShareCare Radio with Daria Long Gillespie, MD. Hi, it's Dr. Daria. I am back. You're listening to ShareCare Radio. We are just around the corner from Halloween, and as a parent myself, I worry about safety. I also know that the statistics show from the American College of Emergency Physicians that the number of children who are hit by vehicles around Halloween is double the number for the rest of the year. So it's so important that we talk about safety. So I have with us the perfect person for this, Dr. Tanya Altman. She is a pediatrician. She is leading Calabasas Pediatrics, and she is editor for the American Academy of Pediatrics, Caring for Your Baby and Young Child from Birth to Age 5, and she's a ShareCare Advisory Board member. Tanya, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I just really want to jump into this. You know, what are some tips that you can give parents for helping their kids get dressed for trick-or-treat and some of those last-minute costume ideas and staying safe? Definitely. Well, I know that my boys, I have three boys actually, age 10, 8, and then an 8-month-old. And my 8-year-old has been planning his Halloween costume ever since we finished trick-or-treating last year. This is what I have to look forward to when my daughter gets older. So whether you're planning ahead or you're trying to grab a costume together at the last minute, you want to make sure that there aren't any long tails or pieces that your kids can trip over. Mm -hmm. So definitely hem up those pants or roll them up. Make sure there aren't any long straps. You also want to be careful for masks that may slip down over their eyes and block their vision so they can't see where they're walking. You don't Mm -hmm. want them to trip and fall on Mm -hmm. Halloween. In fact, most of the schools won't allow masks during the costume parades at school just for that reason. I would think the peripheral vision would be an issue if a child's ever crossing the street or anything too. It definitely is. So a better option might be some safe makeup that you apply to their skin as Mm -hmm. opposed to a mask over their face. Uh Then you also want to be careful of weapons because if they're holding a sword, even though it's a fake, soft, squishy sword, if they trip and fall, it can still poke them in the eye. Mm -hmm. The other thing is that when they're trick-or-treating and they're carrying their candy and hopefully they're carrying a flashlight, they don't have a lot of their hands to Mm -hmm. hold things. So it's best to leave all those accessories back home. Okay, so you're saying just for the children, they'll be carrying a flashlight and their candy treat treat bag. So extra accessories are just really not necessary. Yes, or, exactly. Or I was also going to say, what are some safe things if they're, even the soft weapons can be dangerous? But you say just leave those at home I would altogether. just leave all the accessories at home. I also like to make sure that all kids are wearing good, comfortable sneakers because trick-or-treating can actually be great exercise, right? You're out with your parents walking and running around the neighborhood. And I see too many kids that are wearing either costume shoes or maybe like ballerinas wearing shoes don't have enough support. Mm-hmm. And they either just injure their feet from all of that running and walking or they trip and fall. Okay. So good see- shoes. Good. That's a very good message too. Nobody sees your shoes as much too. It's a good idea to have them be safe. Now you mentioned makeup. Are there any specific makeups that one should avoid on kids or just any Halloween makeup is fine? Well, I think you want to try to use something that is a little bit more non-toxic, mm-hmm. safer, hypoallergenic that comes off very easily. And with kids, you know, less is more. You just need a little bit, not anything near their eyes mm-hmm. or that they might, you know, wipe into their mouth and eat. But if they really want that little, um, you know, scar on their cheek, mm-hmm. you know, I just take some of my eyeliner that's safe and draw a little scar on my boy's cheek, wipe it off when they get home. They're thrilled and they can just leave the mask at home. I see. That's good. So leave the mask at home, leave any extra accessories they may be trying to carry at home. And so they can focus on their flashlight and the candy which is why they're there anyways. Exactly. Okay. Now, moving a little bit up in age, I remember I've seen so many of those costume contact lenses, and I know those are really popular with teens. Are they safe? 
They're actually extremely dangerous and they're also illegal. To wear contacts, you really have to have a full exam by an ophthalmologist or an optometrist. You can't just buy a lens one size fits all, but they do sell them mm -hmm. as costume lenses. And we see a lot of eye abrasions, infections, inflammation, and things that can really cause long-term vision damage mm -hmm. and even vision loss. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to put anything in your eye unless it's prescribed by an eye doctor. I think that's a really great point because we see them coming into the ER with a corneal abrasion or an infection and people can, even with the contact lenses that are you know, sterile and sold by reputable companies, you can still have damage, let alone from one that you bought from your local costume shop. Exactly. And you also don't want to borrow any friends' contact lenses, whether costume or not, mm -hmm. just for those same reasons. Great point. And we all have different size eyes. So it's like, you know, trying to wear some one size fit all shoe. You can't do it and you can damage your vision. That's very good to point out. Now, what about carving pumpkins? It's we're just, my daughter's just getting to that age. She's going to want to carve a pumpkin because she likes to do everything herself. But, you know, people can really get cut and get injured from doing that. How do you keep the family safe doing that? So it is hard to carve a pumpkin. Even for myself, I'm always yeah, going to cut myself. Exactly. So for younger kids, I usually recommend that they take a marker and they draw on the pumpkin. And then mommy or daddy can carve the pumpkin for them. Mm. Other great options are just painting pumpkins, putting stickers on pumpkins. You don't even have to carve them. I mean, it's kind of messy. And at least where I live in Los Angeles, they mold after two days yes. of being outside. So you can they last longer if you just paint or color on them. But otherwise, I have the kids draw the face where they want it. I take it to the side and I try to carve it. Mm -hmm. I'm really not very good at it. Yeah. So um, usually it looked better when they just drew the face on it anyway. Mm -hmm. I like that. I've seen a lot more kits now for painting and stickers and things. You can really make something that looks very cute. And you're right. It lasts a lot longer too when you just have it painted. Exactly. And I love those white painted pumpkins that look like ghost pumpkins. Those I think are so cute. I haven't seen those. But that's a great idea. And I probably will start to do that. And I bet you can buy non-toxic paint because that is something that my da daughter and I can do together. Exactly. And then you can actually leave it in front of your house on display for a few weeks. It won't mold if it's not carved. Very useful, especially also down here in the south where it gets very humid and muggy. So we need that. Now, you know, I mentioned the beginning the number of children that get hit every year around Halloween walking around for a trick-or-treating. You know, number one, what age can t kids trick-or-treat alone? Well, that's a great question. It obviously depends on the neighborhood that you mm -hmm. live in or that you'll be trick-or-treating in and on your child and how responsible they are. So, for instance, my son is 10. He's a very mature 10. And in our little neighborhood, I'm going to let him walk around ahead of me with some of his friends. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to stay back with my 8-year-old and make sure that I watch him go to all the doors. Mm -hmm. So, I think around 10, 11, 12, kids are definitely old enough to go trick-or-treating on their own. You want to make sure they have a buddy that they always stay with, that you talk to them about the path they're going to stay on ahead of time. They really stay on the sidewalks. They make sure to look both ways and be very careful when they're crossing the streets mm -hmm. because we already said that there are more pedestrian injuries on Halloween mm -hmm. than any other night of the year. Mm -hmm. And then it's a good idea to have either meeting points or if they're old enough to carry a cell phone, they can touch base with you regularly, such as every hour, just to make sure that everything's okay and that they're safe. That's a great point too. And it's hard because at 10 and 11, they want to go off on their own. But it sounds like you're also, you're nearby. You're kind of watching even if from a distance. Exactly. I usually stay about a half a block behind the older mm -hmm. ones. We live in sort of a small neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So again, it depends where you live and what exactly the plan is of what you're doing. But I think you could, the younger ones, you definitely need to hold their hand and walk them to the door. Mm -hmm. When they get a little bit older, like school age, they can go to the door themselves and you can stay on the edge of the driveway. And then as they get into 
older elementary, middle, and high school, then they can go out on their own as long as you have rules and you're keeping track of them and touching base throughout the night. Okay, I know exactly where they're going. It's very useful. Now, and any other tips for keeping them safe when they're going, you know, aside from, in addition to those? Well, I like to talk to my children about not eating any of the candy or treats that they have received until I go through it all at the end of the night. Mm -hmm. So sometimes they'll even come running to me halfway through and I'll get out my flashlight and I'll take a look at one or two and say, okay, you can have this one, you can have this one. But we always have rules on how many pieces they can have and make sure that mom or dad has checked out the packages just to make sure nothing's been tampered with. Okay. And do you try to aim to go trick-or-treating when it's light still so that to increase the safety of that? Because part of it, if you're going later at night, it's just so dark. It is. And we usually do start early. In fact, in my neighborhood, we all get together for a healthy-ish dinner mm -hmm. to kind of keep the kids full. That way they won't binge on too much candy when they're going out. Mm -hmm. We do start earlier, one for the younger kids, but also so it's lighter out. And then depending on where you live, you know, it starts getting dark earlier around mm -hmm. the end of October, Halloween time. And then we usually have a curfew, let's say nine o'clock, where all the kids in the neighborhood do need to be home in their house. Okay. Now you mentioned the healthy dinner before and to try to curb the Halloween candy eating. You know, talk to us about some of the ways that you, you know, some of the, your secrets for keeping that in, in reason. Well, definitely, as I mentioned, giving them a healthy dinner beforehand. I also like to talk about the importance of having a glass of milk with their candy. So let's say they eat one or two pieces when we're out trick-or-treating that I've checked. Then they come home, they eat one or two more, they have a glass of milk, and then we put the candy away, and I give them one piece a night for a few days, and then we go ahead and we donate it to the troops or some other organization that's collecting candy. And I think that's a way, to, a right way to either get your kids involved mm -hmm. in donating candy and helping others, or sometimes you have to just kind of make it disappear after a week. <laughs> It just went away where it's all done. And if they don't see it, mm -hmm. it's gone. And it's mm -hmm. also get it out of your house because mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but when it's up in my cupboard, it talks to me through the yes. cupboard doors and I want to eat it. So of I have course. to make sure it's all disappeared after about a week. And so you're getting it out of the house, not just for the children, but for you and doing something good by donating it. Exactly. Now, why with the glass of milk? Well, I feel like milk is a great source of protein and nutrients for the kids. Mm -hmm. So I feel it kind of balances out the sugar and helps prevent any headache or just sort of off feeling they mm -hmm. might get from that big sugar spike. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Halloween is a time of candy. So I don't like to say no candy. Mm -hmm. I just sort of limit it. You know, my kids don't eat a lot of treats throughout the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. So it's okay. I don't mind if they go a teeny bit overboard. Right. But then I try to get it out of our house within a week. Okay. And milk also makes you feel a little bit full. So I can't imagine binging on candy if I'm also drinking milk. Exactly. Exactly. In fact, any great source of protein, such as milk or even a handful of nuts, mm -hmm. can really help you stay full so you crave sweets and other snacks later on. Mm -hmm. And you also said make sure they have a really good meal beforehand. So a great dinner. In fact, you could get everyone in the neighborhood together. Sometimes mm -hmm. we do a potluck or we'll order pizza and then have some vegetables and fruit on the side for the kids. So that way they're making sure that they're eating dinner, but they're also with their friends because otherwise your kids at home might be rushing through dinner to help get right. out there and trick to get out there and trick or treat quickly. But if you get all the neighbors together to eat dinner and start off the Halloween evening, mm -hmm. it kind of makes it a fun party. It is. For it's everybody. a whole event. It's an event. And that way you know they're eating a healthy dinner before they go out trick or treating mm -hmm. and then they have their few pieces. And of this candy. year, Halloween's going to be on a Saturday, I think making it even easier to do that during the day. All right. So now you can – one thing you can control, control is what you give other kids as far as treats. Now, you also don't want to be the crazy lady who only gives out apples every year. How, what do you give to make sure that there are some healthier Halloween treats out? Well, my mom gives out granola bars. You know, she goes to Costco and buys boxes of granola bars. And so she feels that that way it has a little bit of a lower sugar content. It's a little healthier. Um, I've also seen people giving out yogurt-covered raisins in little boxes. Mm -hmm. I like to make sure it's all prepackaged. Even, you know, it might be very nice to make something from scratch for your neighbor 
neighborhood. But I feel like it's just safer knowing that it comes packaged. And that way, if you have any kids with allergies, mm -hmm. it's really easy for the parents to read the label and know, okay, this has nuts in it or dairy. My kids need to avoid it. Mm -hmm. Well, now you bring an entirely different complication. What about parents and kids with allergies that want to go trick-or-treating? What extra tips do they need to know? So if you have a child with food allergies and you are going to take them trick-or-treating, you just need to make sure that they know that they cannot eat anything unless you've looked at the package. And not only to see if it's been tampered with, but also to read the ingredients mm -hmm. because you will know what candies are safe for your child and which ones aren't. And as kids get older, they learn as well. Mm -hmm. So you might have a child who's deathly allergic to nuts. So they look for the gummy bears and the starbursts and anything with chocolate or nuts they put to the side or they give to their friends. So you just want to make sure that there's a parent with them that is carrying their EpiPen around just mm -hmm. in case. And that's really reading all the labels and knowing what they can and can't eat. And when they go to the door, they can also kind of take a look and maybe not even take candy that they know that they might be allergic to. At what age is a child old enough to really kind of make that decision? that I shouldn't take that at all. I know I'm allergic to it. And I'm sure it's different for every child. Every child is different, but kids do learn pretty quickly what makes them not feel good and what is dangerous for them to have. Mm -hmm. So even school-age kids will know, I can't eat those snacks at school or at my friend's house, you know, because I'm not sure or my mom hasn't mm -hmm. approved it. Or, gee, I know I can have that brand of chocolate chip cookies, but I can't have the others mm -hmm. because they may contain nuts. And that's one thing you want to teach and educate your child as they're getting older. But you also can't rely on that. And you need to make sure that you have your medication on hand, mm -hmm. which may be a Benadryl or it may be an EpiPen for a severe reaction because food allergies can be life-threatening. It is such a good point. So anybody with a child with anaphylaxis or severe allergic reaction, have your EpiPen with you, just safety's sake. When you have it, then that's going to reduce the chance you'll ever need it. That's exactly. Murphy's law, right? And I keep one at my house, even though my own children don't have any food allergies, but we have neighborhood children and friends over all the time. And I've actually used it twice in the really? last 10 years on other people's children that have been at my house. Wow. It's amazing because food allergies are so prevalent now and such an issue. All right. So what about additional dangers? Like some, we talked a little bit about dangers of costumes as far as kind of weapons. There are some other dangers like button batteries that we see in the ER, especially for children who are infants and toddlers. So let's talk about those costumes, how to keep them safe. So for instance, so infants and toddlers, you really want to make sure that everything on the costume is safe. There's nothing that they could pull off and put into their mouth, especially sometimes you might have a toddler riding in a stroller while the older kids are trick-or-treating and you're not always watching them right. completely. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure they can't grab any pieces off of any of the other kids' costumes as well. There's no long... Um, neckties or anything that they could accidentally tie around their neck. I mean, for the little ones, like for my eight-month-old, I love the pajamas that look like a cute costume. <laughs> that way he's in something safe, and if he falls asleep, I can just transfer him right to his bed when we get home. Oh, very convenient. I like that tip. But you're right. On the little ones that are still in that age of everything going into their mouth, even if it looks like it is attached to their costume, if they're sitting there in the stroller, they can pull those things off. It can go in their mouth and be very dangerous. Exactly. And also candy can be dangerous for toddlers because some of the candy given out may have hard candy pieces that mm -hmm. are too large. So when you're examining the candy, that's something else you have to look for. Make sure that none of the pieces are a choking hazard for your little ones. So, and I really like your idea of mom has to examine every piece of candy before you eat it. Because it get, can it gets a, a number of things. For one, it kind of keeps your kids from eating too much candy. Yes. But it also keeps them from eating something potentially unsafe. 
So Exactly. And that's very important. It's a very good rule of thumb. And so tell us a couple of other, any other safety tricks for when your kids are out trick-or-treating to keep them safe. Well, you also want to, depending on the weather, you really need to look at the ground because a lot of times the ground can be slippery. There can be wet leaves where your kids are walking. Mm -hmm. So it's a good idea to sort of map out where it's safe for your kids to go ahead of time where you know they can stay on the sidewalk, where it's well lit. There are some neighborhoods that don't have good street lights. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, maybe that's not the best or safest place for your children to be trick-or-treating. Make sure they're holding a flashlight light. Again, that they're wearing non-slip sneakers. So even if it doesn't quite go with their outfit, that's okay. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that they don't slip and trip and fall and that they're safe while they're out trick-or-treating. Now, if somebody lives in a neighborhood that, like you mentioned, just is pretty dark, you know, what are some good ways that they can find other places so that kids can get that experience of trick-or-treating? Go to another neighborhood or other parties? Well, you could go to another neighborhood. There's mm -hmm. also a lot of trick-or-treating events at local malls. Churches will do trunk-and-treat events where everyone drives their car in and hands out candy from their trunk mm -hmm. and the kids stay in the parking lot. So there are a lot of great parties and things that you can do now if you don't live in a neighborhood where you feel like you want your kids to go trick-or-treating. Okay, so those are some great resources for people who may be listening and think, my, my neighborhood's just not a great place for trick-or-treating and my child does want to be able to have a little bit of that independence. But so you mentioned always have the flashlight, non-slip shoes, and probably some good reflective gear on their costume as well. If you can make dress them in bright colors with reflective um, things on it, even pin them or not pin them but sort of you know when I um, when I bike and run at night I have these little reflective flashy things mm -hmm. that I can actually strap onto the back of my kids costumes oh, so that way you can sort nice. of see them beaming as they're walking up the street <laughs> everybody can see them I like that um, I have a feeling I want to GPS my child or something now let's talk in the last couple minutes your child gets the candy they ate way too much candy they feel awful the next morning any tricks well, luckily, it's Saturday night this year, and you don't have to wake up and go to school the next mm -hmm. morning. But the next morning, if you have a tummy ache, most likely it's because you're a little constipated. You have a little bit too much fat and sugar and junk in your belly. Mm -hmm. So having them eat a healthy breakfast, if they are a little constipated, I love prunes and prune juice to kind of help clean them out. For older kids, too? Any age, Any even age. adults. Prunes, prune juice is great to help clean them out. Make sure they're eating like a healthy high fiber cereal with milk, maybe some eggs since that's a great source of protein. Mm -hmm. Just try to keep it really healthy the next day mm -hmm. so they can kind of get all that sugar out of their system. Kind of have a cleaner diet that exactly. next couple of days. Probably beneficial for all of us around Halloween. Okay, in our last minute, any other tips as we're going into this cold and flu season around Halloween, keeping us all healthy? Well, make sure that you teach your kids to wash their hands. Also, proper nutrition. Make sure they're getting enough sleep. Exercise. Teach kids to cough into their elbow, blow their nose into a tissue, and throw it away. Mm -hmm. And just try not to touch their eyes, nose, and mouth during the day because that's how the germs enter our body without washing their hands. And the most important thing is take your child now for a flu vaccine. If you haven't already gotten one, flu vaccines are recommended for everyone six months of age and older. That is a fantastic point. My daughter got her flu vaccine this past Tuesday, but I have to go get mine. So thank you. Everybody go get your flu shot. It's now. It's an important time to do it. It's going to take about two weeks for it to take effect. So you really want to get that done before the flu season kicks in. Dr. Tanya, this was fantastic. Thank you for keeping us safe and healthy as always. And again, everyone, you can find her at Calabasas Pediatrics. On Twitter, she's at Dr. Mommy Calls and at Calabasas Pediatrics as well. Calabasas Peds. Calabasas Peds. And also, she is an advisory board member on ShareCare and CalabasasPeds.com or Calabasas Pediatrics. CalabasasPeds.com and DrTanya.com. Wonderful. You can find her again. This is Dr. Daria and you're listening to ShareCare Radio on Radio MD. Thanks for listening and stay well.